As you know, if you have been here recently, we are for the summer going through the book of Psalms. And I had somebody ask me one time, why don't we pick some of the best Psalms instead of just going marching right through them? And the reason is because if we did that, we would not ever preach Psalm 35. I, and I, I say that with uh, some tongue-in-cheek and some confidence, <laughs> because when you read this, it, it just is a difficult psalm. I mean, it, as Ben was singing that beautiful song that puts Psalm 35 to poetic music, and you were probably reading the lyrics and listening him, to him singing going, What? I'm not sure about that. And that's why we, we take the, these psalms like this and we work our way through so that we see all of the psalms and, and have to pull the richness out of each of them and don't get to uh, cherry pick or skip over some of them. Because this psalm asks the question, what do you do with an enemy? What do you do with an adversary? How do you treat them? How, how do you respond when someone is against you? And, and while most of you, I think, have not had someone chasing after you, uh, trying to take your life, you have probably had a situation in which you've had somebody be against you. You don't know why necessarily, or maybe you do, maybe you deserved it, but, but maybe you, you don't know why, right? You, you were at work, and for some reason that one coworker just seems to have it out for you, and they just don't like you. Or your boss, for some reason, just seems to have it out for you. And you don't know what it is that you did or why they would respond that way, but they just seem to be against you. Or maybe it's a family member that you have tried to love them and care for them and, and be there for them, and yet it just seems like there's nothing you can do to please them, and they are just against you from the outset. What do you do in a situation like that? Well, this psalm, this psalm helps us to see what we should do in a situation like that. In verses 1 through 3, which Maggie just read us, 1 through 10, and, and as you hear this, the, the Lord is, is rising up, right? Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of the shield and the buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and the javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. You, you just see this, this, and as you read it, you can't help but picture it, right? That's why the, po- the, uh, the poetry of the Psalms is so beautiful because you, it's, it's this visual language. Right? So, so even for, for those of us who are not auditory people, and so as, as you're talking, you, you, there's this, this picture that, that they take up the, the shield and, and the buckler, which of course everyone knows that a buckler is another shield, right? That one shield is very large and the other shield is, is small, and so now you have two shields, just like you have a spear and a javelin, one smaller and one larger. And so you, you just get in, in your mind that, that David is going, God, I have got these enemies that are against me and I need some help. So would you pick up the shield and the big one? And would you pick up the spear and the big one? Because I need somebody to do some battle for me. It'd be a little bit like um, us going, God, I need some help. Um, could, could you bring out the armored car and the tank? 
Could, could you bring out uh, the machine gun and the missiles? Because I, I need some people dealt with. Well, maybe, maybe what David is talking about is literal but, literal, but I don't think he's actually asking that God put on shields or pick up javelins. He knows God's got way better stuff than javelins. He's actually got way better stuff than missiles. God is somebody that David can trust, but he's using this warlike language going, God, these people are against me. Would you rise up and would you be my protector? Would you help me? Would you contend with those who are contending with me? And, and let's, let's be honest. We have um, a sensitive um, um, nature about us that we don't really like this kind of language in the Bible. That God would, would come against enemies and, and um, make war against them, contend with them, and then some of the other things that it, it's going to go on to talk about things that he would do to destroy them and those kinds of things. We, we have some issue with that because uh, should God really be doing that? I mean... Isn't God supposed to love people? And so why would, why would we have this thing where, where David, the psalmist, is, is praying and calling out to God, God, would you destroy them? And I noticed that, that while we um, are culturally sensitive about this thing with God, we, we are less um, that way when it comes to superheroes. When it comes to superheroes, we are just really excited about superheroes. Do you know how many superhero movies there are? How many superhero comic books? How many superhero real books? There's, there's just all kinds of superhero stuff out there. What is it with superheroes? Why do we like them? It's because we see people who are weak and defenseless being taken advantage of and we want somebody who is stronger than the average person to come in and defend them. We want these people with the special powers to come in and bring justice and bring defense to the hopeless and to the weak. And so we go, come on! Yes, Iron Man is here! And he's got all the tools and all the gadgets and all the everything because he's just incredibly smart and he puts all this stuff together. And yes, the Hulk is here and he comes through and he's stronger than anybody. And he just... Hooray! It's really exciting. We don't ever sit back and go, wow, you know, that's really... They shouldn't destroy people like that. The Hulk should really stop throwing bad guys around. That's not very nice. He should be more loving. No, we're going, yes! The superheroes are here to protect those who need it. Those who can't defend themselves. And when David is crying out like this, he's going, God, you are the superhero. Put on the shield. Pick up the javelin. Pick up the spear. Contend with those who are contending with me. That's what he's doing. He's just going, you can do it, God. I'm calling to you for help because I need somebody who's going to come in here and who's going to take care of business because these people need some business taken care of against them. 
Let them, and then he, he begins to describe. I, I love this, right? So in verses 1 through 3, he, he describes to the Lord, this is the kind of behavior I'm looking for. I'm looking for a hero to arm himself and come in and step in. And now, verse 4, what does this actually look like? Let them be put to shame and dishonor those who seek after my life. Let them be put to shame. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Well, that language is much more palatable, isn't it? No longer do we have this boom, destroyed. Now we have this, would you just put them to shame? Would you just thwart their plans? When they get really excited about this thing that they're going to do to me, would you disappoint them? So that that doesn't take place. Frustrate them in the things that they are trying to do against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Just, just, just blow them out of the way. Just, you know how, how when you uh, are cutting something and then you get that sawdust everywhere, and so you just, like that, and then it all gets out of the way. That's what he's talking about here. Just God, God would you just blow, blow them out of the way? They're, because to me, they're enemies, and they're, they're contending with me, and it's a struggle. But for you, God, it would be easy. Just like a breeze, get, getting them out of the way, pushing them out of the way. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Just make everything that they do, as they're coming against me, as they're attacking me, would you just make everything wet and slippery and really difficult for them? If you're, if you're standing on a hill and somebody is charging that hill to get at you, you would really love for that to be a wet and slippery and muddy hill. Right? Have you ever played King of the Hill? And, and, uh, or, or king of the mountain, like you've got, got one of those in water things that's inflatable and you're out in a lake and so you're playing king of the hill. And the, the hardest thing about that is getting up to the top because it's slippery and you're trying to climb up there and reach them to pull them down. But if they're standing up at the top, they can just keep pushing you, which is why getting up at the top and being at the top is so advantageous because once you're up there, now it's really hard to be removed. And that's what he's saying. He's going, just make their way hard. Make it dark, difficult for them to see. Make it slippery. Every time they come against me, let them slip and fall on their face and just slide back down. And that way I can have a good laugh instead of getting hurt. Let them be put to shame and dishonor those who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. This is what it would look like. God, if, if, if those people who are against me, if you were to actually do this and defend me, this is what it might look like, that you would just frustrate their plans and put to shame all of the things that they tried to do. Well, why does he want them to do this? Why is he looking to God to do this stuff? What, what's the problem here? Verse 7, for without cause, they hid their net for me. Without cause, they dug a pit for my life. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it, and the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his own destruction. 
they're trying to trap me. They, they dug a pit and they covered it over and they hid it, hoping that I would come along and I would fall into the pit and be ensnared. They, they, they set up this net so that I would be captured in it. And so, God, because they have done that for no reason, I didn't do anything. But, God, they're attacking me in this way and they're setting these traps for me. Would you make it so that they fall into their own traps? Don't we love that kind of justice? When somebody tries to, to do something to us, comes against us, wants to um, set it up so that it looks like we did something wrong, why did they do that? Right? A coworker tries to set, set you up because they don't like you or whatever. Maybe it was one of your siblings tried to set you up so that mom and dad would see that you had done something wrong and so they tried to set you up. Would, would it just kind of fall on them instead, go the other way. The, the pit that they dig, could they fall into it? They'll just forget that it's there. And then what are they going to do? Hey, why'd you do this to me? I, I didn't. Yeah, you made it so I fell in this. I didn't dig the pit. You did, dug that pit for me. You covered it over for me. You intended all that to me. You just forgot it was there. And you fell into it yourself. It's just coming right back on you. Let destruction come upon him when he does not know it. And let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his destruction. And then... Verse 9, then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting, delighting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and the needy from him who robs him. He calls out to God and he says, God, this is what I need. Because of my adversaries, because of my enemies, because of those who are against me, what I need is for a defender to come in and to take care of business. And when you do that, God, when you thwart their plans so that they can no longer attack me, then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to rejoice in how great you are. I am going to sing your praises I am going to talk about how great and wonderful you are because look at what the Lord has done for me. He has protected me from my adversaries. He's protected me from my enemies. He has taken care of me and defended me. You think if Superman comes in and swoops down and protects somebody and saves them, that then they're afterwards going to go, meh. No. They're going, thank you, Superman. You wouldn't believe it. Superman is real and he came here and he saved me. And that's the exact response that that David is uh, predicting. He's going, God, I am already anticipating that when I have prayed this, you are going to come, you are going to act, you are going to protect me. And when you do, I'm already ready to praise. I'm like, I'm just waiting to spring into action and raise my hands and cheer because I know how great you are and I know that you are about to do this for me and so I'm just waiting for it. Okay? Ready, God? You do it. I'll cheer. Yes! That's what he's waiting for. He's going, God, this is it. This is it. 
Now, so, some of us might go, but, but hang on. Maybe David deserved it. I mean, he's saying he was innocent and stuff and they didn't have a cause. But let's be honest. Most of the time when somebody is against us, they have a reason. So maybe, David, maybe you're not so high and mighty. Maybe you're not so righteous. Maybe you deserve to have all this coming on you. So verse 11, he begins, he says, Malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things I do not know. They repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or for my brother. As one who laments for his mother, I bowed down in mourning. Listen, God, when, when they were in trouble, these people who are now against me, these people who are now attacking me, when they were in trouble, when they were sick, I cried for them. I wept for them like, like they were my best friend, like it was my own mother who was sick. I, I wept for them. I cared for them. I loved them. But then at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me, wretches whom I didn't know and tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. Even though everything I ever did toward them was good, they just like talked bad about me and mocked me. And then they went to the parties and they talked behind my back. I mean, these guys are like Cinderella's stepsisters. All I ever did was just try to love them and care for them and, and help them. All I did was what was I was supposed to do. And then they just made fun of me and teased me and were against me. What's going on? In fact, this is actually true of David. David, David was trying to do what was right. Do you remember the story of David and Saul? Right? Saul was, was the big, strong king that was supposed to defend the people. And he got nervous because there was a big, strong guy on the other side named Goliath. And so, so Saul went, you know, ah, I'm just going to wait and see if somebody else will fight Goliath because I don't really want to do that. And so David came up and was like, I'll take him. I can do that. I will help my people because he's just against God and God's people. And God will help me defeat this enemy. And so David does that. And then every time that, that Saul, every time that Saul wasn't feeling good, every time that, that Saul got moody or, or frustrated or something, David would come in and would play. He'd play music. And he'd comfort Saul and he'd encourage him. He, David was, was best friends with Saul's son. And yet Saul hated him. He hated him. And he spoke badly of him. And then he tried to attack him. And then he tried to chase after him. And then he wanted to kill him. And he rounded up these people to chase after David so that they could kill him. And at one point... David is hiding in a cave and Saul and all of his army are, are looking for him. 
And Saul goes up to that cave because he needed to use the bathroom and this seemed like a good place to do it. And so he, he went right into the entrance of the cave and he didn't know that David was hiding inside. And David's buddies were like, David, David, that's Saul. David goes, I know, I recognize him. He's wearing the king's robe. Of course it's Saul. This is it. God has handed him over to you. You can kill him now and then you'll be king. David goes, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. This is the Lord's anointed one. This, This is the king. Far be it from me. I would never do that. And so he sneaks up behind Saul and he takes his dagger and he does like this, but instead of killing Saul, he just cuts a corner off of the robe and he sneaks back into the cave. And when Saul comes out of the cave, David stands up and goes, Saul! Saul! Stop believing the lies. I, David, am not against you. Just now, if I were your enemy, if I was trying to kill you, I could have done it. Look, I cut off a piece of your robe. You were right there in my hands. And I didn't do it because you know what? I am not against you. I am not your enemy, even though you treat me as an enemy. And then he says this in 1 Samuel 24, verse 12, May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. Do you see? David is crying out to the Lord in the psalm, and we have trouble with it because David's praying all of these things against his enemies. And we go, I don't know about this. That David would pray for their destruction. That David would pray that, that all of the traps that they send, set for him would fall back on them. That, that David would, would pray that all of their ways would be difficult. It just, just doesn't sound very nice. But what we realize when we see this is that David is crying out to the Lord to do that which he refuses to do. He says, look, God, I am not going to take vengeance into my own hands. I am not going to destroy Saul, though he treats me as an enemy for no reason. I am calling out to you and saying, God, in your divine wisdom, would you execute justice and make it so that he is no longer enemies with me, so that I can continue to treat him graciously. David's trust and hope is completely in the Lord. That the Lord will be his salvation. That the Lord will avenge him. That the Lord will bring justice. And David says, and I, Saul, will be merciful. When we have somebody that's against us and we feel like, I am so tired of doing the right thing and treating them well when they seem to be against me for no reason, then we just cry that out to God. God, would you make it stop? Please make it stop. Because they are against me and I don't know why. And I am continuing to do the right thing, but God, it is unjust and it is unfair. And so God, would you make it stop? the heart cry would you bring justice in this would you be my salvation would you be my refuge would you be my defender 
And then in the midst of it, we continue to do what is right and we continue to pour out love and we continue to pour out grace just as David was doing here. And he continues to cry out, verse 17, How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lions. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng. I will praise you. Let not, those who re- let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes. And let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. For they do not speak peace. But against those who are quiet in the land, they devise words of deceit. They open wide their mouths against me and say, Aha! Aha! Our eyes have seen it. You have seen it, O Lord. Be not silent, O Lord. Be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord my God, according to your righteousness. And let not them rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Aha, our heart's desire. Let them not say, We have swallowed him up. Let them instead be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. Every time they try and build themselves up as they are against me, Lord, would you just put it to shame instead of honor? We see that in the scriptures, David is not the only one who acts this way. Jesus in John chapter 15, is instructing his disciples and he's giving them instruction about what do you do when people are against you? What do you do when people hate you? John 15:18 it says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Jesus says, look, you can expect that this is going to happen. People are going to hate you for no reason just as they did me. Jesus was hated for no reason. What what did Jesus do? He walked around and he healed people. He taught them to follow the Lord. He taught them to love their neighbor as themselves. And yet people were against him and attacked him and slandered him and then handed him over to be Uh, arrested and then crucified him. What did he do wrong? Nothing. 
And if that's how they treat Jesus, then we can expect that it, at times that's how people are going to treat us. And it isn't fair and it isn't just. And it's very frustrating. But we walk in righteousness. And we pray and we trust that God will be our avenger. That God will be our defender. That ultimately his justice will prevail. And we will be demonstrated to have been in the right. And the wrong will be dealt with. Let them be put to shame and disappointed altogether who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. You, when Jesus did this, when Jesus was treated that way, all the way to the point of the cross, he did that in order that he might become our salvation. He put up with all of that so that he could become our salvation, so that we might be delivered in him. In fact, this is a very, I love this. In verse 3 of Psalm 35, when, he, when um, David is calling out to the Lord and he's saying, contend with those who contend with me, draw the spear and the javelin against my pursuers, say to my soul, I am your salvation. What he's literally saying is, speak to my heart, speak to my soul, I am Yeshua. I am Jesus. Yahweh, your salvation. Again in verse 9. Same thing. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting, delighting in Yeshua, Jesus, the salvation of the Lord. Isn't that great? David didn't fully understand the entire um, implications of what he was saying. All he knew is that the Lord is my salvation. And Jesus completely fulfills that. So that when we are crying out, we say, God, we need you to be our salvation. And we will delight in you, Jesus, our salvation. So that by the time we get to the end of the psalm, we are now just anticipating that. Let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore, Great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Then my tongue shall praise, uh, uh, shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. We will praise all the day long. Again, an encouragement that, that when we face adversaries, our response must be to trust to the Lord, trust in the Lord, to call out to Him and then praise Him for the results. Again, we see in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 20. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, uh, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? That is, if you are are beaten because you deserved it. What credit is that? But, if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. 
For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The only way that we can righteously continue to live when we have adversaries and people who are against us is because of this. The only way that we can continue to trust the salvation of God and act appropriately to them is because we know that Jesus has died for our sins and that we now can act righteously. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Think about that. Jesus, Jesus could have totally totally defended himself. When they came after him, he could have totally pulled a hulk and been like, you didn't even know who you were messing with. But he didn't. He continually entrusted himself. He continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly, to God the Father, so that he might bear our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and now live to righteousness. And so we can cry out, God, would you be my defender? Would you be my salvation? And continue to trust that he will bring about the justice so that we are not going to take vengeance. We are not going to do those things. We know ultimately God will take care of all of that. And for now, we will trust and trust ourselves to him and we will praise him in the process. And by the time I get to the end of this psalm and we start working our way through it and we see the way that David uses this language, suddenly I go, wow, I'm really glad that Psalm 35 comes after Psalm 34 and that we didn't skip this one because this is stuff that I need to hear and I otherwise would have skipped right over it. And I'm hoping that for you, that that that's the case for you this week. That as there seems to be adversity against you, you can continually trust in the Lord and through the salvation of Jesus, walk in righteousness before Him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we, we know that when these things are stacked against us, our emotions run high. Our energy is depleted, our ability to um, maintain steadfastness is, is withered. And so, Father, we cry out to you and say, Lord, would you bring justice? And Father, I know that there are those here this morning who need justice, and so we pray on their behalf, Father, would you bring justice? Would you thwart the acts of those who are against them? Would you deliver us? 
Would you deliver us not only from our sins, but also from those who are against us without cause? That we might continue to walk in righteousness before you. That we might continue to trust in you in every detail, in every circumstance of every day. And Father, as you show yourself faithful over and over again, we will praise you today and forevermore because Jesus is our salvation, our defender. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen.